Let us turn in God's word this evening to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of the Holy Scriptures to our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this evening is verses 4 through 7 of Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the command that is given unto us in this text is a difficult, difficult commandment. The commandment is not to rejoice in the Lord when the circumstances of your life are the way that you want them to be. The commandment is not to rejoice when it suits you and all is well with you, with your family, and with your home. But the command that is given unto us here in this text is the command to rejoice in the Lord always. And because the Holy Spirit understands that this is difficult for us to do, he then repeats it, and again I say, rejoice. How does one obey this commandment when there is suffering, when there is sickness, when a loved one is on the bed of affliction, when there is division? When there's heartache, rejoice in the Lord always, even in that instance. But it's not only on the one side that there can be difficulty with keeping this commandment. It's not only when there is sorrow and when there is trial that we can find it difficult to keep this command. On the other hand as well, it can be difficult. What about when all is well with you. What about when there is health, when there's food and abundance, when there's peace, when there's sufficient money? It's just as difficult, if not more difficult, in that situation to obey the command of this text, which is rejoice in the Lord, not Rejoice in what you have done. Not rejoice in your own accomplishments. Not give yourself a congratulations for the work and prosperity that has come about as a result of your industriousness. But this text says rejoice in the Lord. How hard that is to do. 
in seasons of prosperity. So we depend then upon the same Spirit who inspired this text to give us strength to obey this text. Let's consider this text under the theme Rejoicing in the Lord Always. First we'll consider what is the obstacle Looking especially at the first part of verse 6, be careful for nothing. Second, we'll consider the remedy given to us in the second half of verse 6 and 7. And then third, the fruit. The obstacle that stands in the way of us keeping this commandment is oftentimes we are careful. Careful. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Careful is used here not in a favorable sense of the word. Careful used in an old English sense. It does not mean to be cautious, to be aware of your surroundings. Sometimes we use the word careful that way. We tell a young child who's approaching the hot stove, be careful, don't reach out and burn yourself on the stovetop. Nor does this word careful mean to show care or compassion for someone else, perhaps the hurting neighbor. That is commanded elsewhere in the scriptures that we do show that care and compassion, but this word that's translated as careful here does not have that meaning. Rather, this word careful means to be fearful, to be anxious. To be careful is to have the emotion of fear or of worry that rises up inside one's heart and inside one's mind, oftentimes in response to trials and hardships that are experienced upon this earth. Fear is an emotion, and thus it is something that's internal and invisible. You can't see the emotion of fear within someone. And yet, although you cannot see the state of one's heart, yet oftentimes, carefulness or fearfulness does reveal itself in physical ways. You can observe the effects of fear or anxiety upon an individual. Oftentimes when we think of the fearful person, we might immediately jump to the idea of someone who's nervously biting their fingernails, someone whose eyes are constantly darting around, someone who cannot remain focused upon the task in front of them. We might think of someone like Martha, who when Jesus came to the home, Martha was busy going around throughout the home, getting ready the meal for Jesus. And so that might be our initial conception of what it means to be careful. And it is true that for some individuals, carefulness does reveal itself in that way. A carefulness can also reveal itself in other ways. Ways that we might not immediately connect with 
fear. One way in which anxiety or carefulness reveals itself is by inactivity. In the ninth verse, the Apostle Paul said, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But it happens that at times the anxious person cannot do the things that he has heard and seen and knows even that he must do. There's a change that can occur in the individual. Previously, this person was industrious. This person was hardworking. This person was zealous, eager to take on the responsibilities that were in front of the individual. But then incrementally, and perhaps even without this individual noticing, a change occurs where it becomes more and more difficult to do the work that is in front of him or her. It's not so much that the anxious individual chose, I'm going to be lazy today. It could well be that the anxious individual desires, has a strong desire to carry out the work, but due to the fear, the anxiety that rises up in the heart, cannot. This is a grievous burden for the anxious person. For while they are unable to carry out the work, it's not then as if the responsibilities go away, but throughout that time period, the responsibilities continue to be added up. And so then the result of the indolence is there's even more in front of them, which causes yet more fear. Then there's another way in which carefulness or fear can reveal itself. And that's by excessiveness or wantonness. By giving oneself over unto the desires of the flesh. It's the opposite of verse 5. Verse 5 says, let your moderation be known Unto all men, the Lord is at hand. And it can happen that the person who is given to anxiety or carefulness loses the ability to be moderate in words and in actions. But instead, with the heart filled with anxiety, the person is, is driven unto extreme position. It could be that with regard to sleep, the person falls into one of two extremes. Either the individual sleeps all the time and can hardly be roused from sleep. Or on the other hand, that the individual is unable to sleep, goes to bed, but sleep is not given unto the individual. The same can happen with regard to food either wanting food all the time or losing one's appetite for food. A desire for physical intimacy. 
desiring it without ceasing or having no desire at all. Alcohol use, drug use, falling into extremes so that instead of their moderation being known unto all men, they fall into extreme positions. This carefulness has an impact on one's spiritual life. Jehovah God, who has a concern for one's soul, says, be careful for nothing. This is not to say that every time that one experiences the emotion of fear, that that's necessarily a sinful or inappropriate response to that situation. There's a reason why God created us in such a way that we can experience fear. One is walking down a pathway. It's dark, late at night. There's trees on either side, and here's something moving in the bushes ahead of him, and there comes out in the pathway some large animal. One does well in that situation to have a certain measure of fear as he confronts that animal on the dark pathway. But the reality is most of the times that we experience fear, it's not because we've encountered some large animal in our life. Most of the time that we experience fear, it's because we're struggling to have a proper response to the God-given circumstances of our lives. Fear impacts our spiritual walk. It impacts our hearts and our minds. Verse 7 speaks of the peace of God, which shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And fear would do the exact opposite. Instead of our hearts, which is the emotional center of man, and our minds, which is the center by which we think and reason, instead of our hearts and our minds being kept through Jesus Christ, fear and anxiety would try to scatter our hearts and our minds far, far away from Jesus Christ. The temptation for the anxious, fearful individual is to have the heart and the mind wander. Instead of being kept on that straight and narrow path which leads to life everlasting, the anxious person struggles to remain focused The mind wanders like a sheep outside of the sheepfold. And then the devil comes and the devil starts to prey upon that now vulnerable individual who is no longer kept within the safety of that sheepfold. Preoccupied then with the cares of the world, the anxious mind struggles to be alert to the methods of the devil. And so there comes then the situation in the workplace. It's been a stressful day already. And then the colleague says something at the workplace that is not appreciated. And one snaps and loses their temper. 
There's the parent in the home caring for the child who's been extra fussy. And then another child comes along and disobeys the commandment of the parent. And the parent snaps in anger at the child. But it's not just that anxiety can lead us at times to have regrettable words that come off our lips. It's more than that. There's something the devil wants. The devil wants to have our hearts and our minds be led away from Jesus Christ. You see, anxiety impacts our ability to worship. How can we worship God? How can our mind be focused on Jehovah and His goodness and His mercies which are new to us every morning? If the mind is filled with cares and concerns of this world. When we come to church on Sunday morning and yet our mind is preoccupied with running away from every, as it were, beast that is on the pathway in front of us. How will our minds be focused upon Jesus Christ and His kingdom? How will we ever rejoice in the Lord? And again I say, rejoice. God in His love for His people provides the remedy for this. Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer. That's what God gives unto we who are His children is the means by which we are to address the carefulness that otherwise would rise up in our lives. Prayer, holy conversation with our Father in heaven. Prayer is the activity of covenant people. We come unto God as the friend servant of Jehovah God and we open ourselves up unto God. We praise God for His greatness. We give thanks unto God for what He has done for us. But then as well included in that prayer is we reveal unto God the requests and the desires of our hearts. God tells us here in this text, let your requests be made known unto God. God understands that we have desires, that we have wants. There are things that we yearn for. And now God teaches us in His Word, now let these requests, these holy desires, be made known unto me, Jehovah God. Open oneself up unto Jehovah the living God. Do you desire patience in the midst of the trial? Then make that request known to God. Do you desire strength for the busy, heavy 
workload of the day in front of you, then go to the God who is able. You desire wisdom to handle a delicate situation. Then go to the God and Father of all wisdom. Let your requests be made known. But perhaps one says at this very point, but how? How do I make my requests, my supplications known unto God? I recognize that I have a struggle with carefulness, anxiety in my life. And I know as well the commandment, the command is, let your requests be made known unto God. But how do I get from this point of having these cares and concerns and move unto this point of making these requests known unto God? How do I go from the first part of the sixth verse, be careful for nothing, Unto the second part of verse 6, both prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I, know, I understand that I am supposed to, that there are times where there can be such fear, such anxiety in the heart and in the mind of the individual that, as it were, it cripples the individual. So the individual feels, I cannot give utterance unto the the feelings, the emotions that are on my heart and on my soul. First, we must understand that simply because one struggles to go from understanding the reality of carefulness to moving to the position of praying to God does not mean that one is lacking faith. Or that one is not a child of God. If they are not able quickly and immediately to go unto that point of making these requests known unto God. There are biblical examples of men who struggled to make their requests known unto God. It does not mean that one must conclude that he or she is not a regenerated child. Second, how then is one able to do this? To be able to do this, it's necessary that one understands what his particular needs are. The text says, let your requests be made known unto God. And I believe that there is significance in that word, your. We must come to the point where we come to understand what it is that is our personal request unto God. At times we can have this feeling of fear, a vague feeling of anxiety. We know that there's something going on, but we cannot 
precisely pinpoint what it is that is the burden in our life. What is causing this fear or this emotion? And so the child of God has to work earnestly at this to pray that God would grant the Holy Spirit simply to understand what it is that is causing this fearfulness and this anxiety. I suggest unto you to assist in this the value of pen and paper. Use the pen to write out what it is that are your requests to assist you so that you can be able then to make these known unto God in prayer. Perhaps one says, I still cannot. I, I, I am at such a difficult, low spot that I cannot even pick up a pen and write out what it is that are my requests. In that situation then, I remind you of James 5. James 5, call the elders. Call the elders of the church and let them pray over you. Give unto them what it is that burdens your heart, trust that they then will pray over you and that God will use the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. This is God's remedy. Let your requests be made known unto God for a particular purpose. And we must be careful here in understanding the purpose. It's not that we have to make our requests known unto God so we can disclose something to Him of which He was not previously aware. God is the one who searches the heart of man. God knows the thoughts that rise up within us. There's no way to hide from God. If one goes to the highest heavens, lo, He is there. If one goes down to the depths of this earth, lo, God is there too. Nor is the meaning this, that Jehovah God is dependent upon you, opening up yourself and making your requests known unto Him. It's not that God seeks to know your desires. God is standing there. He's inviting you to reveal your needs and your struggles unto Him. But until you open up your heart, then God will be able to understand. Sometimes we as parents have this very struggle with our children. There's a child that's in distress and crying and crying. And the parent tries to determine what is it that is causing distress for this child. What, what is wrong? And the child isn't able to articulate what is the reason for the tears that come down the face. And it can at times be frustrating for the parents when they cannot figure out how to help the child. 
But not so, beloved, for Jehovah God. It's not as if God is like unto that earthly parent who depends upon the child to reveal unto him what is the cares and concerns that we have. Rather, God has a good and loving purpose in telling unto us to let your requests be made known unto him. He already knows. Why does he tell us to make them known? It's for this reason, beloved, so that we would know what are the requests that we have. We by nature are not adept at understanding what what it is that is causing us fear or carefulness in our lives. God calls us then to examine ourselves to see what it is that causes this emotion to rise up within us. And then God not only would have us become aware of them, but then as well God in his tender loving care commands us to bring them to God. Psalm 55, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. That's why God commands us to let your requests be known. What an amazing privilege this is to be able to make our requests known unto God. He is the Almighty One. The One who is so great that heaven and earth cannot contain Him. He is the God who dwells in pure light. And there is no darkness in Him at all. He is the one who created light and darkness. The one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to be born of a woman, to be made under the law, to suffer in all points, to be tempted like as we are yet without sin. We go unto the God and Father of Jesus Christ, who is obedient unto his Father. Jesus understood what it was to be tempted, to be careful, to be anxious. In the garden, right before Jesus Christ was captured and taken to his trial, the scriptures tell us that Jesus' soul was exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. But in obedience unto his Father in heaven, Jesus was careful for nothing, but made his request known unto the Father. Even in the darkest hour, as he was hanged upon the cross, the prayer of Jesus, the request of Jesus was this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now this God, the God of your salvation, comes to you, and he says, Speak. Let your requests be made known unto me.
The fruit of this petition is given to us in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It might not be the fruit that we would immediately want, Maybe we'd want something else as the fruit to our prayers. If there's a trial in our lives and we're pleading of God to take this trial away, then we would hope that the fruit would be a removal of that burden. If there's a financial hardship in one's life and one petitions God about that, one would hope that the fruit would be extra income to cover the bills. God does not tell us here in this text, that he's going to remove the trial. He does not tell us that he is going to alleviate the suffering or the pain. But the assurance that he gives us in this text is that he will give us blessing. That blessing is peace. The blessed state of harmony in one's heart and in one's soul. It's a peace that comes from God, the peace of God, a peace that is heavenly in character, a peace that the individual of this world knows nothing about. He doesn't understand this sort of heavenly peace that comes from God. He's constantly craving, lusting after the next achievement or goal in life, but God gives unto this individual peace. There's power in this peace. We mustn't imagine that peace is weak. But there's power, and the power of this peace is this. It keeps us. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Peace keeps us from something, and peace keeps us in something. Peace keeps us from the temptations of the devil which would seek to overwhelm our souls. Peace keeps us from the devil who goes forth as a roaring lion. Peace keeps the individual from the world with all of its enticing power as it sets forth before man the desires of the flesh and of the eye. But peace not only keeps us from something, peace also keeps us in covenant communion with God. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Keeps you in salvation purchased for you with the blood of the Lamb. Keeps you in the Christian faith. What an amazing power is found in peace. Peace works in the hearts of the individual in such a way that nothing else can compare unto it. Peace is able to perform what no one else on this earth is capable of performing. Mom and dad might desire, might pray 
that their child be preserved in salvation, but mother and father cannot of their own strength keep the child preserved in salvation. The elders, the minister, pray for the salvation, the regeneration of God's elect. And yet the elders and the minister cannot quicken the dead or keep the people of God in that salvation. But what man is unable to do, Jehovah is able. By His peace, He keeps through Jesus Christ. Thus, the child who has this peace in his heart is able to keep the command that we saw at the outset. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. We are able to rejoice because there is gladness in our hearts. We are able to rejoice because we have access by the faith of Jesus Christ unto our God and our Father in heaven. So that even when the trials of this earth mount up, we know that we still have access unto God's throne of grace. It's in the Lord that we rejoice. We rejoice because Jehovah God has taken us out of the pit into which we plunged ourselves. And He has taken us and drawn us by His Word and by His Holy Spirit unto Himself. We rejoice because we can taste and see that He is good. He is the God who sets free the prisoner. He is the one who restores eyesight to the blind. He is the God who supplies our every need. For He is able to do so being Almighty God. And He is willing being our faithful Father. We are in His covenant, in His family, in His home. And so we rejoice. Rejoice, because today you are in the Lord. And rejoice, because forevermore you will be in the Lord. Not even death itself can separate us from the Lord. But in death, Jehovah, with His everlasting Ours reaches and brings us unto the heavenly home prepared for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, Thou who art the God who supplies our need according to Thy riches in glory, by Christ Jesus, we thank Thee for Thy Word. May Thy Word comfort those who are distressed. May Thy Word give hope to the downcast soul. May Thy Word teach us the way in which we are to go and be used for the strengthening of our faith that more and more we might seek the 
heavenly kingdom of Jesus Christ and his righteousness and trust that thou wilt provide for us all things that we need for our bodies and our souls. Thou hear this prayer and graciously pardon our sins. For Jesus' sake, amen.